0: Welcome, and thank you for joining us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church, Kannapolis, North Carolina. As senior pastor, Dean Hunter shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. Following Christ is not easy. When... um... We had 4th, 5th, 6th graders, 10-year-olds ten this week at camp make a decision to accept Christ. If you know me, I've made this very clear, I never want to give anyone a false understanding or false impression that they're on their way to heaven. And so we go overboard. We have teachers that teach, talk to them individually, and then we brought them those who made a decision, later in the week on Thursday, we said, hey, I want to meet with you. I met with the boys, Pastor Justin, and one of the ladies met with the girls. Had them on the front row right here. It's kind of funny, kind of, because I started with six, I ended with five, um, because about 0.3 seconds in, one of them was squirming around and said, can I go to the bathroom? It's like, you didn't make a decision. No, I, just, I didn't do that. And I was like, can this wait? This is pretty important. And he's like, yeah. I was like, well. Oh. Um, so we went to the bathroom, came back and about 45 seconds later, he says, are we going to the gym after this? I was like, won't you just slide down to that end of the pew and, uh, listen, but it's all right. And, and honestly, I would made it very, hey, it's all right if today's not the day, if it's not the time, cause we want to make sure. And one of the things I told them and I tell people often It's similar to that song, following Christ is not easy. I think the words say it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard following him. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we know as the day approaches, it's going to get more and more difficult. It is getting more and more difficult. And following Christ is not just making some uh, proclamation that I'm a Christian. It's not praying some magical uh, prayer, and now I'm in. When Jesus called disciples, he said, hey, drop it all, come follow me. I told the kids, I said, you realize following Christ meant they were giving him everything. I said, y'all know Peter, what he did for a living? And some were like, eh, they said some crazy things. I said, he was a fisherman, but he didn't just fish for fun. He was a fisherman. That's what, that was his living. And Jesus said, drop your nets and come follow me, which meant drop what you're doing. Drop your priorities, and now I'm the priority. And that's what it means to follow Christ, and uh, I didn't plan on this because I never know really what's going to be sung, or, but it sometimes goes right along. But the message for today is um, difficult. If I'm honest with you, I have probably uh, prayed more and been more, I don't know if concerns the word, than most. But the message and the subject matter today And what we're dealing with as believers in a sin-cursed, corrupt world makes it and is making it more and more difficult to be who we say we are. Now I'm not here to preach eschatology, but we are living eschatology. Every day we live that Jesus doesn't return is another day in the eschatological calendar. Well, I've been to church before. What's eschatology? It's the study of the last days. We're living in the last days. A week ago, we were living in the last days, and two weeks from now, we'll be living in the last days. But Jesus is going to return, He is going to make all things new. And only those who have made Jesus Lord of their life I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Only those who have trusted in Jesus, the sinless Savior, to pay the price for their sins will be saved from the wrath to come. That sounded very eschatological, didn't it? Those lights are really bothering me this morning. They are flickering, and I'm about to seize right up here on the platform. Now everybody look real quick. No, don't. Tomorrow, some of our hard giving money goes into effect and we'll be having some lights done. And hopefully, they'll turn those off. We live in a world that is lost, that is sinful, and we as believers are... Right smack dab in the middle of it. If I can get my mind off the lights, you can too. And it's complicated somewhat. It's difficult to be salt and light. It's difficult to be different than the world. Now y'all are looking at me like, well, I'm not having a problem with it. Well, maybe it's for me. Knowing how to respond, how to react. The words in Proverbs here talks about having wisdom and discernment. But before I speak another word, we've got to either be on the same page or you just decide not to be that this is the word of God and it's absolute truth. I say this sometimes, and people know my sarcasm and know my flippancy. But if this isn't true, we're wasting our time. If this isn't true, let's go find something else better to do in the sunshine today. If this isn't true, the life we're living is pointless. If it's not true, do what you want to do. There are no consequences. Live it up. When we're gone, we're gone. But if it's true, we will all stand to give account to God one day, the righteous, perfect, holy God that we just sang about. And not only us, but everyone who's ever taken a breath will stand before a holy, righteous God. And this is his rule book. This is the standard. And yet we're Christians, and we've forsaken all and followed him, and we, gotta, we have to abide by this This is our rule book. These are our instructions for righteousness. And we can't pick and choose what we like and what we don't like. So, oh, where is he going? I don't know. Well, let's read a few verses in Proverbs chapter 16. I'm going to read verses 16 through 25. And I have seriously prayed and I have and I'm being very transparent, ask God, don't let me say anything I shouldn't say." And more importantly, my prayer has been that my motivation is pure. The Bible says, we don't know our hearts, but the little I do know can be pretty scary sometimes. But God knows my heart more than I do. And when I preach today, I don't want it to be taken as anger. I don't want it to be taken as mean-spirited. My purpose is to help the church of God, the believers, who are inundated with wickedness and abomination all around us. And we have to know how to navigate through it. Using the word of God and not our own understanding. So let's stand as we read these few verses. The other prayer is not to take anything too much out of context. And I won't. The wisest man who ever lived penned these words and he said, How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? That's a message right there, but that's not the message. And to get understanding rather than. to be chosen chosen than silver. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keeps his way preserves his soul. Man, every one of these is like a 45-minute sermon. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better is it to be of humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. He that handleth the matter wisely shall find good. That's what we want to do. And whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. The wise in heart shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of his lips increase learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that has it, but the instruction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth. Oh, And adds learning to his lips. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb. Sweet to the soul and health to the bones. There is a way that seems right unto man. Y'all figured that out yet? There's a way that seems right unto man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. My job as a pastor is to preach the word of God so that the people of God know what God expects. You can ask 10 different people tomorrow in Walmart how to get to heaven. Chances are you're going to get 10 different answers. You can go tomorrow to church, to school, summer school, and ask and you'll get 10 different answers. We know this. But there's a way that seems right to man. And when the way to heaven is left up to man, we'll find every way for everybody to get there. But the end thereof are ways of death. May I never, may no preacher I know of, but I'm not responsible for them, ever preach in a manner that would give someone a false hope or false understanding of the gospel that would lead them in the way of death. And may we as believers never, ever fudge on the gospel and the truth of the message where we would ever give anyone indication that it's all right, God understands, God is righteous, God is holy, and he does not tolerate sin. Father, thank you for your word. Help me to preach the word as truth and not to give my own understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I've already said, I struggled with this. Quite honestly, earlier in the month, I thought, you know, sometimes as a pastor, you're like, is this my idea or is this God's idea? And I know myself and well enough to know I've got a lot of ideas. And... My desire was, and my prayer was, give me something else, I don't really want to do this, and um, never left me. And the more I prepared, and the more I thought about it and prayed about it, the more I thought that as a pastor, I felt if I didn't preach this message, that I would be negligent. Negligent in serving you as our church, and negligent in standing up for Jesus. The biblical reality that must be understood, and some of you have been trying to connect dots for the last 10 minutes. I'm going to tie them up for you here. The biblical biblical reality that must be understood is that homosexuality is a sin. Now, lest anybody get too excited, it's not the only sin. But according to Scripture, homosexuality is a sin, it's an abomination. That's not what the Baptist faith and message says, although it does. It's not what some of us got together in a meeting in a basement one day and said, hey, let's call this a sin. It's what God has called a sin from the very beginning. In the book of Leviticus, whoa, all the way back there, God's law book, thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind, it is an abomination. Now, the reality is this isn't something new. It's been around since sin's been around, all the way in Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13, if a man also lie with a man as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Now, there are some religions who still practice that. Interestingly enough, our government gives them billions of dollars, but yet shuns Christians who don't teach to kill them. And the PGA decided to get in bed with them too. That was just extra. Didn't use bed as a pun. That just happened. They said, well, that's Leviticus. Yeah, it is, but in the Gospels, Jesus said, and Mark, and the others, from the very beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this cause, we, we miss that a lot of times. He created them male and female, and for this cause, what cause? Two different sexes, two different genders. And for this cause, shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. So those of you who think the Old Testament's null and void. Have fun with that. But Jesus didn't think so. Leave your father and mother and cleave to his wife. They, the twain, the two shall be one flesh so that they are no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Jesus taught two genders were made for each other and that we leave and cleave. Later, in the book of Romans, Paul gives some powerful, powerful lessons to those in this condition. I won't preach the whole book of Romans right now, but it's very controversial among some. But Paul says under the inspiration of God in verse 26 through 28 of the first chapter, for this cause God gave them unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving natural use of the woman, burned in their lust toward one another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of that error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Sin is sin, but when God calls out certain sins and speaks to it like this, there's no gray area. It's very clear, it's underlined, it's highlighted, it's in bold italics like I do certain words in my message so I don't forget them. And unfortunately, sadly, there are churches today and pastors today who are choosing to avoid these verses that are still the inspired Word of God in order to make everybody feel comfy and accepted. Now, you've heard me since day one of being the pastor. No one should ever feel unaccepted when they walk into this church. And some of you right now are saying, well, what are you doing? No, we don't look them up and down and say, you don't belong here. Anybody and everybody, every color, every other religion, ethnicity, every so called gender, or anything else, they're welcome to come into this church. And they ought to feel welcome. Somebody ought to shake their hand. Somebody ought to move over. I'm being serious. I'm not saying they're going to be comfy, laid back with their feet up when we start preaching. That's the reality. And every Christian or every non-Christian that walks into a church ought to feel welcome. But when the word of God, which is sharper than any two edged sword, starts being preached, it gets uncomfortable for all of us. When he starts knocking on our door. Not all of you walked in here perfect today. Not all of I said you. I'm not, not all of us walked in here perfect today. There's a chance a few of you sinned on the way to church. If you drove, you probably did. <laughs> By the way, you got to be careful giving hand signals and horns and all that when you're coming down Moose Road, because they might be turning into church in front of you. I ju- I'm just saying, I've heard that happen before. <laughs> you- oh, if they hit their blinker, I think I'll go in the central drive exit <laughs> entrance. Didn't I see you coming? No, that that was a lot of white Hondas. (laughs) Unfortunately, just recently, maybe you should or shouldn't call out people's names when it's public and they don't make any, they don't apologize about it. Andy Stanley, North Point Church. Thousands and thousands and thousands. And if you don't believe it and you want to be ticked off righteously, watch it. And he gives messages with his little screen up on the platform, with his highlighted words. And he talks, I mean, in great detail about a woman in his church. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing this and it's sick. He's got a screen up here and he's walking around looking cool and goofy and he's got this woman and man in the church and they had kids and they divorced because the man uh, was started dating another man and then he puts the little stick figures up there and then he talks about the man's boyfriend and like it's normal this is I'm not making this up church, and this is a man who has um, influence on Thousands of people. And he goes in and tells this whole story. And and at one point he's got all his stick figure family up here and it's it's sick. And then he says this, what do I see? And he says, I see a modern family. And the crowd just, ha <laughs> ha, oh Andy. See, there's a TV show, Modern Family but he made this just as normal as man, woman, and kids. And it ends with a very happy ending that at one of their campuses on Christmas service, the whole modern family was on one row together. And I was sitting there and I looked over and I thought, this is how it's supposed to be. You can't preach the gospel clearly and believe that garbage. Then he goes on later in a conference in front of a lot of people, a lot of preachers who paid money to hear his heresy say that the gay believers have more faith than he does. You see, you hear what he just said? What he said was atrocious, but he normalized a gay Christian. This is normal to him. Now, I'm not here. If y'all want to take me out to lunch, we can talk great detail. I am very clear, and I've made it clear. I believe you can be a Christian and fall into sin. And there's no verse that tells me how long you can be in that sin before you're not a Christian. Now, I do have verses that say you're not a Christian, and you're a Christian. I don't have any verse that says you can be a Christian and then not be a Christian. Y'all got to follow along. Don't misquote me. But we go around and we try to normalize and we try to sympathize. I'm just being true and honest with you. We try to. We try to be accepting. We try to be loving. And there's a fine line between being accepting and loving and condoning. And we sit around and we're like, well, just how long can a person be gay before we figure out they're not Christian? And then we start to figure, was it two weeks, two months, two years? And and let's be honest, there are some professing Christians that fall into sin other than homosexuality. And they've been in it for a long time. We ought to be asking the same questions. I don't have a verse to tell you it's X amount of days. What I do have is the gospel that tells me that we have the Holy Spirit that will convict us and call us to repentance and forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and when a person willfully chooses to live in sin of any kind and never experiences the conviction of the Holy Spirit, never confesses, never repents, we have every right to believe biblically that they're not born again. That didn't answer all your questions about that. I'm sorry. There are some others that we can address later. I want to look real quick. By the way, Andy Stanley, when he's teaching this, listen to this. It made me, all that's one of them times you want one of those foam bricks to throw at the TV. (laughs) He's he's telling this, and he he says, and I know all the clobber passages. That's the word he uses. He says, I know Leviticus. I know the Gospels. I know Romans. I know 1 Corinthians. I know all the clobber passages we use is what he says. How about let's call it the holy word of God and not a pick and choose clobber passage. But today, there'll be thousands at North Point Community Church campuses. And there'll be a lot of acceptance. Not of the person, but of the condition. Leading people, here's my fear, leading people down a fake, broad path to heaven. And there is no broad path to heaven. Narrow is the way. Narrow is the gate. And few there be who find it. I want to look real quick at four different thoughts or realities biblically concerning the message title, which is the celebration of sin. First of all, and I'm glad you paid attention this far because this, is, this one's worse. I want us to look at the exploitation of sin. I've preached before, never preached really Sodom and Gomorrah, but one time, and it's not what I'm here for. I'm here to help us because we're, we're inundated in this mess. I mean, we're smack dab in the fourth quarter of Pride Month. You didn't even ask to be there. sin. Have, have I, have, did I cover in an introduction that homosexuality is sin? As I've, I've said so much now. I'll make sure I got that because that's important for the first point. The word pride itself proves the point of the exploitation of sin. To be exploited means that we're, there's gain to be made from it. The word pride in the text that we're in, and I'm Trust me, I know some of you are scholars and you're digging like he's going to be out of context. There is a context to this that is biblical. The word pride here that's used, that, the, that Solomon is writing about, which leads to the point, the word pride there means glorious. It's from the word to glorify. It's also the word for arrogance, which the, the I almost said the psalmist, the proverbist Solomon speaks to the arrogance, pride, haughty. And he says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. And today, in our society, in civilization, and really mainly in America, I would like to say around the world, but it's really mainly in America, we're exploiting sin because we're proud arrogant and they want to glorify it, which is the word there. Now I got to keep taking a little small 20 second timeouts because it's this context is applicable to every sin. So don't forget me and lose me on that. When we get to a place of haughtiness and arrogance and pride in our personal lives, it leads us to sin in a way that we're not ashamed of. which is where we're at. Now, fortunately, some businesses are finding out that they don't profit as much as they thought. But here's what I want you to understand. And this, I don't have a verse for this, but I have some common sense and a lot of reading and a lot of studying. Someone's making money on this. And now some of you are like, here comes that redneck conspiracy stuff. no. No, they're, someone's making, you don't do this type of behavior. I'm not talking about the homosexual, but the higher-ups. You don't do this without making money. You say, well, there's nonprofits. They don't make a lot of money. Somebody's making money. Somebody's buying $10 million mansions. It's been proven. So open our eyes. Read it. I loved it. I, I, some other. I meant to start off and ask you to turn to your neighbor and say, He's going to tick me off today. <laughs> just so we go into it knowing. All right? So if, if you want to do that, just do it, whisper it to him now. Target's lost $15 billion since May 17th. All the Walmart fans, woo! I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's what they get. No. Now what's fun is to read about this. And they're saying it's not because of any boycotts. That, that, I, I don't like liberal news, but I'll read it just to see what they say. And the liberal news are saying, they're quoting people, uh, in the financial world, saying Target didn't lose $15 billion, 20% of their value. Not, not like the local Concord Target lost 20%. Target lost 20% of their value in over a, just over a month. You say, I thought you said people were making money. Somebody is, not Target. Now they're saying it's a, it's a revaluation since the, this is the phrase, the boom of COVID has now ended. So now they're revaluating what things are worth. They lost 20% and it's not because of COVID. They also, one, one report said because of first quarter earnings reports and gloomy 2023 forecasts. 20%. I am I mean I dabble in stocks. I'm not a genius, but I do know math and I know a little bit of business. You don't say, "Well, it looks like a bad year. 20% drop 15 billion dollars." That's not how it works. So you can believe it if you want to. Now now might be a might be a good time for some of you to invest in Target. <laughs> Cuz Americans have short-term memory loss. And two months from now, when it's, they'll forget it, and then their stocks will start rising. Quote me on it. And Target will say, we've had the best year ever. <laughs> and they will, because they'll mince their words, and they'll say, we've had a 38% increase. Don't, don't, don't quote 38, that's just another. We had a 38% increase in sales in 2023, so the whole the, the boycotting didn't bother us. What they're going to do is they're going to subtract 15 billion, and start at this number, and then everybody will forget, and they'll go back to Target because it's cleaner than Walmart, and you don't have to get a tetanus shot to get there. <laughs> and then they're going to say, look, look, we're, we're, we've, oh, it's amazing. And they're going to forget to tell you that they started down here. They're not going to forget. They're going to willfully select to forget, to tell you. No, they didn't lose it because of, I got a few pictures because I know I needed to wake you up. This is why Target lost 20%. This is on the shelf in Target. I don't know if you're a parent or not, but that's called a onesie. That's what you put on a baby. Next one. This one's still on the shelf, by the way. It's it's Spanish and English. I think it's Spanglish. Bien proud together. I'm told that means very proud. Bien is good, but together it's very proud. Put that on your onesie-wearing baby. Next. By the way, this is on the website right now. I like it because it's in red, and I like red because that's clearance, and it's it's, it's clearance. It's half off. (laughs) This is still on there for a child. They'll be wearing this to your school. You can get it by July 1st if you order today. Sorry, I can't think straight with a rainbow brain. Brain like that, you probably can't think straight, but that's different. But This is why they lost 20%. This is why that's half off now. A lot of the stuff you find says out of stock. Someone's profiting, not Target. Some of you had to choose a different beer here recently, and we won't go into that. <laughs> I want to make you aware of a company, an organization he said, well, this isn't in scripture, but this is important because it's affecting everything we do. And if you don't know the name of this organization, you need to know it. It's called the Human Rights Campaign, hrc.org. Please don't Google it right now, but just investigate later. Human Rights Campaign sounds like something we'd all give a dollar to. Not right now, because you know the context I'm giving. Well, who's not for human rights? Human Rights. The Human Rights Campaign is one of the, if not the largest, nonprofit organization pushing all of this garbage on corporations like Target. HRC didn't lose any money. I think the picture I've got here, I think if you go to their website, um, this is interesting. Please, there it is. That's that's what pops up first. Y'all know what that is? That's how you give. Somebody's making money. Now, let's just do some quick, simple Rowan County thinking and math. I go to hrc.org. I give them $100. Where's that money going? You think they bought Target's clothes to give them? No. They sit on it. People live a lavish life. There's some in-between stuff, but I want you to hear what's going on in our country. The main goal of this company Or, this organization is to blackmail other organizations into being prideful. This is what they do. If you don't put this display up in the front of your store, we're gonna put your name on this website and show the world that you don't support Pride Month. This is what HRC does, that's what PFLAG does. That's what GLAAD does. Now PFLAG gives scholarships, even locally here in the schools, to gay and allies. And I don't want to dig into that. Most of us will think, well, human rights, that's great. It sounds like civil rights. Wake up. It's not. I've got so much information here, and it's 1142. I'm going to upset some people, but I want you to hear my heart. This is a white church. Okay, for the most part. Today it's very, all right, let's put it that way. There's a couple of us a little on the darker spectrum, but you get my point. If I was, God knows me, please hear what I'm saying. I'll never know what it's like to be a black person in America. What happened to black Americans in our history Is still a scar that we will deal with forever. And any Christian full of the Spirit ought to be able to say amen to that. We believe, according to Scripture, we're all created equal by our God. And our founding fathers believed that, but they just had a misunderstanding, I guess. I don't know. But America has come a long, long way. Are we perfect? No. The whole point is to make a more perfect union. America from the beginning said, he's still working on us. We're going to try to get this thing right. Right. And there are people that probably don't live right now that suffered severe injustice that every Christian ought to say, that was injustice. Not many of them today, but there's some grandparents. There's some kids and grandkids that, that know this And we, I got to say this from the beginning, we've got to be on the side of justice. God is just. I didn't say social justice. John MacArthur made a statement. I hope you hear it. Never forget it. Somebody asked him about social justice. He said, true justice never needs an adjective before it. God is just. Christians ought to walk justly. Christians ought to act justly. Christians ought to practice justice. I'll never know what it's like. Today, I still think, man, how how odd is it for someone to be in this room with all these white people? It's different. But we've come a long way. There are currently 62 black Americans in Congress. We've come a long way. Where, where did you just go? Where are you going? I know some of you are thinking just hold your finger there. We have two Supreme Court justices out of the nine who are black Americans, a man and a woman. We've come a long, long way. We currently, don't laugh when I say this, but we currently have a black American lady as the vice president. She's there. We think. I haven't seen her in a while, but she's there. We have had a black president in America. We've come a long way in making things right. Do we have work to do? Yes. 13.4% of the U.S. House of Representatives are black. That doesn't sound like a lot, does it? I know. 13.4%. To put it in perspective, there are currently, according to the last census, 13.6% of Americans are black. That sounds like pretty equal representation. We've come a long way in America. They say, "Now, now tell me why you're saying this. Because what happened, I'm talking about the exploitation of sin. What happened in America was the civil rights movement was losing steam. Civil rights would come a long way. I've got proof in my notes and I'll talk to you about it if you want to. But for sake of time, we gotta move on. The Jesse Jacksons and the Al Sharptons of the world who needed a paycheck decided it's time to group all this together. If I was a black person in America, I would be so ticked off at the LGBTQ plus community. Pardon this, Southern, it ain't the same. A black man, a black woman was born black. Somebody like, really? The only way to justify it, you listening, you, you teenagers, listen to this. The only way you justify it is a civil rights of the 21st century is to say they're born that way. It's the only way you make it equal. Did this side here, y'all, it's the only way you justify it. Because if they chose to be that way, well, that's not the same. Because a black person was born black, Indian was born Indian, right? But if we can convince everyone that that toddler wearing that pride shirt was born that way, then we can group them together. And in our schools, I had to go there, where we're pushing out, that's now time to delete, cut, In our school system, in the public school system in America, where we're pushing out tenured 20- and 30-year teachers, and we're putting in 20- to 25-year-old teachers who have been educated by nut jobs who don't believe half of what they're teaching, but they're keeping their job because they do, because organizations like... Human Rights Campaign says, we're gonna come down on this school if you don't start teaching this garbage. Are now teaching our children. I had one more Target image. I'm gonna show, you. you got that Target image? This comes right into here. You got the last one? How about this? You can buy this book right now on Target's website. Bye Bye Binary. I think you can probably tell from the cover it's not made for teenagers. If we can teach children from the beginning that you're born this way, you didn't have any control over it, now we can lump everybody in together and we can push the civil human rights movement. And every, I say this sincerely, every black American ought to be kicked off at this. Now I got more proof. I got more proof. Black Lives Matter, don't, don't go, just trust me. You go to Black Lives Matter, they are very, very, very in tune with the LGBT plus Q, all that community, and they specifically say things like, somewhere it's on here, um, we affirm the lives of black, queer, and trans folks, disabled folks, undocumented folks, folks with records. You see where I'm going? Give us money, because we, we care for Everybody. You only hear about them when someone gets shot. But on their website, we're for everybody. Women in all black lives along the gender spectrum. Our network centers on those who have been marginalized within black liberation movements. Why would the Los Angeles Dodgers allow the Sisters of perpetual indulgence to do what they did. Now, I've done the research for you to keep you unexposed, honestly, to what I've researched. This is the most PG picture I could find to give you an idea of what these people look like. Every Catholic on the planet ought to be super ticked off. They didn't just say, let's have pride night. They said, let's let's give the most vulgar, abominable group that's ever existed a platform, literally a stage, to do a dance and to put Jesus on a cross and to dance on and around him pretty much naked with signs that I wouldn't want your children to read and Jesus holding signs on the cross that I wouldn't want your children to read. Why would possess a baseball team to do that other than the fact that they're in Los Angeles? After they canceled them and five days later said, oh, we're going to bring them back. What happened in five days? I think you can do the math. Sin has been exploited in America. America. Number two, not only the exploitation of sin, the example of Sodom. I know what time it is. Jude, which is New Testament. Jude gives us a little insight to Sodom. Even to Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, verse seven, in like manner, given themselves over the fornication, going after strange flesh, and are set forth as an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire now most people who have been in church for more than a week know a little bit about Sodom and Gomorrah I'm not here to preach that it's not going to take a lot of time but there are liberal so called preachers today and theologians who say the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was not homosexuality I couldn't read this stuff with a straight face They said the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was the lack of hospitality. (laughs) Honestly, I'm not saying a funny book. I'm saying real so-called theologians. Google it for those of you skeptics. When you study scripture, it's clear what the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was. Yeah, they were not very hospitable. But Genesis says about Sodom, they were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. In Genesis 18, and because their sin was very grievous, I mean, God likes for you to be friendly, but I don't know that he would call lack of hospitality an abomination. Their sin was explicit. They were labeled and known for that specific sin. In Deuteronomy, they're referred to as the sodomites. Today, there are still laws on the books, antiquated laws, that refer to the sin of sodomy. Now, why did you say that? I'm just trying to prove the point that their sin was not lack of hospitality. They were forever known as sodomites. There's some kids, probably never heard that word. Now they're going to look it up and see what it says, and it, it won't be nice, but now we'll know why. But I want us to notice before we quit or give up something we see in the preacher Ezekiel, what he says that ties us back to our text about Sodom. Sodom. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor. They had a lot of problems, they were wicked. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. Ezekiel sixteen fifty six. For thy sister Sodom was not mentioned by mouth in the day of thy pride. Sodom's core issue was pride. Arrogance, haughtiness. Their sin that they're noted for was an abomination. It's homosexuality. But they not only practiced it carelessly and flamboyantly, they paraded it. They, y'all with me? They celebrated it. May God have mercy and help the United States of America for celebrating sin. And not asking us what we think. According to my research, this might just make you extra mad. I don't know. you're just ready to go home. There are 332 roughly million Americans. And when they have to take the test, only 7.2% of Americans identify as LGBTQ+. That's a pretty low number when you throw a plus sign at the end of it. it. Means you can be anything, which tells me that 92.8% of us ain't. But yet we got a whole month. Whole month we're supposed to celebrate what God calls an abomination. We give a day a year to presidents. We give a day a year to veterans who serve us faithfully with the potential of dying to give us freedom and protect us. We give a day a year to the people who did die protecting us and giving us freedom. We give a day a year to a man who lost his life fighting for true civil rights. But we want to take a whole month to shove this garbage down our throats. Remember how I started this? Church, we're living in a messed up, sin-cursed world. We got to know how to navigate through this. I got two more points, but I'm going to make it quick for you. Not only the example of Sodom, but the effects of sin. Pride goes before destruction. The haughty spirit. I got to throw this in. This is gospel. There are consequences for sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. All sin. All sin. There are consequences for sin. James tells us that Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. He's enticed when when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin brings forth death. In Genesis 19, once again, to prove it wasn't just because they weren't hospitable, God rained fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah, destroying everybody and everything. There are consequences. When we sin against a holy, righteous God, there are consequences. The wages of sin is death. But, don't miss this, the gift of God is eternal life yes. to Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes. Yes. Right. Come Every man that's ever been born was born into sin. Every man that's ever been born, and woman, has been born, has been born under the condemnation and price of sin. Everyone. And everyone. That's my time. 12 o'clock, right on That's not the first time that one's went off. I'm going to be honest with you. That just makes me kind of mad. I'm going to keep going. Anyway. Or at least change the alarm. I don't know. Make it a little more appealing. God offers forgiveness. Mercy and grace. Through Jesus' sacrificial death. And Here's what I believe. Kind of sounds like scripture to whoever calls on the name of the Lord. You believe a homosexual can get saved? Yep. Believe they can. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Y'all with me? You think a homosexual can be saved? Yeah. I think a murderer can be saved. I think a drug addict can be saved. I think an abuser can be saved. But when God calls out in Romans 1 the sin of homosexuality and says that person can get to the place where he turns them over to a reprobate mind, we ought to wake up. Yeah, right. Now, that doesn't mean, church, you listen, this is to help you, it's to help me. One of the, one of the problems in the American church and in the Baptist church, if we're honest, is we, we have misconstrued scripture and said, well, if they're gay, they can't be saved. That is not true according to Scripture. And we shouldn't go around trying to figure out how long they've been and whether they've passed the limit because we don't have a verse. So what we do is we preach the gospel. And we tell them, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we tell them, according to Scripture, you don't continue to live this life. And we're honest and say, you will still struggle with sin just like I struggle with sin. And we will offer them help through the Word of God. Keep going. And then we'll hand them over to some Christian Help some Christian counselors who deal with this. Who use the word of God. I said, well, that sounded pretty obvious. No, that's not obvious to a lot of professing Christians. That's why I said it. I, I, hey, when, when you get saved, behold, you're a new creation. All thing, Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But you're still going to wake up tomorrow and look just like you did when you went to bed. You're still going to have this flesh and you're still going to have this mind. And you're still going to be oppressed and immersed by the power of sin in this sin cursed world. And for anybody to act like you're going to wake up and have no temptations doesn't understand Scripture. And we missed it in the church for a long, long time telling people, well, if you really got saved, you wouldn't even have a taste for liquor. I've heard it. Now, I have heard people testify. I was a drunk. I got saved and I woke up and I never had another drop. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. God did a miracle in your life. When we tell a person you get saved and you no longer have a temptation to sin, we're lying and we're misquoting God's word. And now we have a bunch of people that's struggling with sin thinking they're not saved. Didn't expect all that, but there it is. What do we do? The expectation of saints. And somebody I'll shake my hand when we get out of here because I had at least 40 minutes left. So you hadn't read much of that scripture. I want, you, I want you to look back at Proverbs 16. It speaks a lot about pride and how we deal with it personally in our own lives and in our surroundings. How do we react? What's the expectations of the saints? How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? Church, we need to ask God for wisdom and discernment to how to get through this mess, how to talk to people, how to live, how to walk right, how to be pleasing to him. I know myself well enough to know I'm not happy about what I see. And I want to say some things sometimes I probably shouldn't say. And I need the wisdom of God and his discernment and his Holy Spirit to shut my mouth sometimes. The highway of the upright. What what do we do? We depart from evil. Better is it to be of humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. I, I don't even need to break that down. He that handleth the matter wisely shall find good. That's what we need to be doing. We trust in God. Trust the Lord. Happy is he. The wise heart shall be prudent. We need to ask God for wise hearts so our lips are a little sweeter. Verse 21. I feel like I'm talking to me and like two other people, maybe the rest of you just... But I know I'm talking to the church of Jesus Christ. I can't tell you what to do, but I'm going to conclude with three things we don't do. You ready? Write them down quick, listen quick. We don't condemn the sinner. I'm gonna say this again and expound. We don't condemn the sinner. That's God's job. Now I didn't say we pull a Joel Osteen. Because I've watched his interview when he was point blank asked. Why do you believe about that? up to god to decide what he's going to do with these people i mean I would just, no 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 no. that's not what i said so don't misquote me god is the one who condemns only a holy righteous god has the authority to condemn and there's a couple verses right after the most familiar passage in all of scripture in john chapter 3 verse 16 we all know god loved the world so much he gave his son whoever believes in him should not perish but have life verse 17 y'all know what verse 17 says Verse 17 tells us, I'm going to misquote it. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Ready? He that believeth on him is not condemned. That's a believer. But he that believeth not is condemned already. The reality is we were all born condemned. So who are we to go around saying, condemn, 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 condemn? The truth is, hey, if you're born, you're condemned. You need to be saved. The only way you can escape condemnation is to be born again. That's our message. Church, we need help with that. I need help with that. It's enough of the pointing fingers. Oh, you gonna, you're gonna, you know, it's like, like, God loves the world. I watched something recently where some theologian said, we probably shouldn't say that, but Whatever but I believe he does because that's kind of what I read in scripture, but we preach the love of God. We don't preach that God loves your sin. God loves you. We don't condemn the sinner. Another thing we don't do is we don't condone the sin. To condone means to accept. We might accept that it's a reality in our country, and our culture but we don't accept that it's okay. Just like we don't accept that any other sin is okay in the eyes of God. We don't condone, we don't condemn. Most importantly, we don't compromise on Scripture. To compromise means to come to a mutual agreement or to a concession We don't do that when it comes to sin. Church, we don't do that no matter how pervasive this sin or any other sin gets in our society. Well, I'm probably going to be left out. Probably. Might not get that promotion. Probably. Might have to find another job. Maybe. Tell you what you won't have to do is find another church. (laughs) Because we're going to stand on the word of God. Unapologetically. Unapologetically. Boldly. But with wisdom that comes from God and with love. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. God, without your word, we would be clueless as to how to deal with what we deal with in our life. God, there's no doubt today there have been a lot of mixed thoughts and emotions in this room. And maybe by people watching, Now are people that will watch this later, people that will listen to this later. My desire has been to preach the truth from your word, and not opinions from my mind. And I pray for every believer, true believer in this room, that we have accepted your word as truth and that we deal rightly with what you've taught us. May we be wise in wisdom that comes from you. May we be evangelistic, preaching the gospel. May we be men and women, teenagers who express love to everybody. You told us in your word that all men will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. God, if I'm honest, no doubt there's some people in here struggling with how they speak to this issue, how they deal with this issue. If we're honest, we, many of us have probably sinned because of what we have to deal with. Maybe there's a time today for some reflection and for some repentance, some confession, that we would be responsive in a way you would be pleased, God. I pray there's a lost person here today, God, we we know in your Word that sin is sin, and sin separates us from you, and there's a price for sin, and no matter what the sin is, although we understand our pride and our arrogance can lead us to a place where we sin. Without any concern. If there's a person here today in that position, I pray you convict their hearts. They'd repent. It's a person here in that position that's never been born again. Maybe today's the first time they realize through your word and your spirit that we're all born sinners. We're all born condemned, and unless we place our faith and trust in Jesus, the price for our sin. We can never be saved. And if that person's here today, may they in the quietness of their heart, led by your spirit, make a decision to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church events and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbccannapolis.com.